Hey everybody, um, on this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to delve into the NFL draft that ended, um, seeing which players went to where, see who, who our expected picks will start, and um, how the first couple of picks are going to round out, and also we get into the second round of the um, NBA playoffs, and who, who, we, who we predict will make it out into the respective East and Western Conference Finals on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another week's edition of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here with uh, my boys Al and Ace, and we're just going to just shoot the shit as always. So, Al, Ace, how you guys doing this week? This week, um, I'm doing good. The weather is definitely nice, warm. Uh, good to get that hot, that hot um, summertime, springtime atmosphere going this week. So I'm doing good. I have to agree with you because I'm tired of my electric bill being so damn high, but I welcome spring. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we all like the spring weather and we all like because you don't have to be bundled up anymore. So I'm a summer baby, so I definitely appreciate the warmer weathers. So we're going to hop right into it, guys. I know that um, the NFL draft is in the books, um, so there's some new minted millionaires that's going to be out there. Um, some teams are happy. Some teams are even more happy, and some teams will probably be back in a in a hunt for the draft next year. So, um, you know, no surprise. Well, I just say no surprises, but surprising at the top of the list was you know Baker Mayfield going to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Saquon Barkley went number two to uh, the Giants, and um, all the other you know quarterbacks that were in the top ten kind of went almost as expected. Um, the Jets actually got their another USC quarterback for them, so hopefully it doesn't make uh, two times the charm with their first USC quarterback, Mark Sanchez or Sanchez, excuse me, franchise. <laughs> so now they have Sam Darnold that's going to be their starting QB, if not this year, probably next year. So guys, um, now that the draft is in the books, um, everybody's got their picks. Um, was any surprise to any of you guys, and how did your respective teams do? Oh, uh, well, uh, I would have to say that I was a bit shocked that uh, Baker Mayfield went number one. But then I was reading today that the Pats, if Baker didn't go number one, was willing to trade up to number two with their 22nd or 23rd pick, trying to go all the way up to number two to get uh, Baker Mayfield. So, obviously, there were a couple teams out there that thought Baker Mayfield was the real deal. Uh, better than Josh Allen, better than uh, all the rest of those quarterbacks uh, that were available at number two. So I'm curious to see how uh, Cleveland will make out with their uh, quarterback and their their defensive back. Uh, I think his name is Denzel Ward from Ohio State. Uh, number two with the Giants and Saquon Barkley. I'm not overly shocked that that happened. I figured that was going to happen, but a lot of the pundits and everybody else is saying that that was a kind of a reach for a, a running back considering running backs aren't the elite talent that they were, say, 20 years ago when running backs were going top five all the time uh, for NFL franchises. So interesting to see how Saquon Barkley would go, but, you know, generation-type uh, running back. Uh, you could say that he's almost coming out of uh, college with a better fanfare than Ezekiel Elliott. So we'll see how that goes. And everything else pretty much kind of worked out the way I thought it would work out. Uh, Lamar Jackson being the number 32 pick for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I thought that was interesting. Uh, but they're building for their future. Uh, Joe Flacco is uh, – on the, uh, the downswing, he might have a year or two left in Baltimore before he's shipped out, considering he's only 33. And that's kind of young for quarterbacks. So we'll see how that all works out. And, of course, my Niners, uh, they went ahead and started building on that offensive line, grabbing its tackle out of uh, Notre Dame. So I am not upset about how the draft went, but I'm curious to see how 
the, uh, the OTAs and everything else kind of develops. And before we know, it'll be preseason football. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I thought the NFL draft was pretty interesting for the most part. Um, once you saw who Cleveland took number one, you kind of had an idea of where the remaining top selection is going to be going, even though there were a couple of surprises here and there. Um, for the majority of it, I think since I'm in the New York area, folks and um, Brost's um, teams, whether it's the Jets or Giants, from what I'm hearing, fans are pretty much um, okay with the pick selections that they had throughout the whole NFL draft. I know a couple of um, Jets fans are a little bit leery of the quarterback from USC, but um, I do think that they think, believe that with a different, a different um, coaches in play from what Mark Sanchez has, they think that he will turn out to be a little bit better. Um, in comparison. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of this plays out as far as the New York, the New York teams are concerned. Um, really, to be honest, although I thought the Jets did what they were supposed to do, it was pretty interesting to see how the rest of the, how the rest of the um, NFC East was in comparison to what the Giants did after they took the second draft pick. Um, I kind of think that the only team that kind of went on a downswing was kind of like was Washington in my opinion, but I think all teams in all made some choices that they needed to do to increase um, their chances um, in making the playoffs for next year. So it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. Yeah. I, I, um, I know I had heard some early rumors earlier in the week that, you know, Cleveland was leaning a little bit more heavily towards Baker Mayfield. And I think that's what prompted um, the Jets. Cause I know the Jets was widely reported that they were definitely big on Baker Mayfield. And something tells me that I think even the Giants might've been, might've been, might've been high on Baker Mayfield because there was a report that they were high on at least one QB. And if their QB wasn't there, they were going to take the, take the next best um, player available. So I have a sneaky suspicion that Baker Mayfield was probably you know, on not just Cleveland, but the Giants and the Jets, uh, Jets Whistlish. So, um, but I think once it was sort of confirmed or at least rumored that the, that the Browns are going to go for Baker Mayfield, um, then I think the Jets decided to move to their number two. And then they found out that I guess Sam Darnold was a little bit more to their liking than Baker Mayfield was. So they're happy with that pick. But I mean, but had with that pick, but I mean, Cleveland was very interesting. I mean, this is the first time I, that I can remember that a team has had <coughs> two picks within a top five, a first and a and a um a fourth. So, I mean, the chances of them getting it, at least one of those things wrong was you can't miss because after this, I think the Cleveland Browns should be voided <laughs> from picking that high high in the draft because I mean. NFL is like, look, you got a first and a fourth. Don't don't screw it up. So I think Baker Mayfield probably has opportunity to start, you know, immediately. I mean, you're going to see how it's going to go when you get to the OTA. I mean, he's going to be going against Tyron Taylor. Um, but if Taylor gets the nod, which he could and probably will, if you start stinking it up really bad, they're going to throw Baker Mayfield right to the um, the wolves. And I think he's going to um, swim and not sink. But um, aside of that, very interesting draft. Um Giants, I think, you know, Saquon Barkley, I thought they might go for a QB, but I'm happy with the pick. I mean, they built up the offensive line. Um, I'm surprised Cleveland went with uh, Ward out of Ohio State. I, was, I thought they was going to go for um, – thought it was going to go for um, <coughs> Chubb um, um, from out of NC State. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, um, it's – well, like I, you know, I can understand why they didn't go after Bradley Chubb because they have Miles Garrett that they got out of Texas A&M. But I can see why they should have, because then you would have Miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb coming from both the end spots. But I guess it all depends on the defensive scheme that they're trying to run. Because they're trying to run the four or three, that would have been uh, that would have been uh, the best. But if they're trying to go three four, three, then, I can, four then yeah, yeah, I can see where they. Probably didn't want to go that route, but um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was really shocked 
And, you know, being a West Virginia fan in Big 12, that teams are really going after Baker Mayfield. So you, you have three legitimate teams that want a Baker Mayfield. You have the Jets, you got the Patriots, and you got the, uh, the Browns. And I don't think they're, you know, I'm not saying that Rosen or uh, or Allen or the kid from Wyoming, that's, that's Josh or that's one of the Allens or one of the Jays or whatever. But either way, you know, I, I don't know that you had three teams that were at the top of the list that really wanted a quarterback like Baker Mayfield. So I was kind of shocked that his moxie, his his uh, – his aura, his his arrogance—you know—and and arrogance being in a good way—really attracted some teams. Um, like you said, Earl, I think that he will sit behind Tyrod in Cleveland. I don't think there's any reason why you need to start make bigger midfield at all this season because Tyrod Taylor has shown that he doesn't turn the ball over uh, very much, and that he should be able to lead the offense to a respectable. Uh, record this year. Will they make the playoffs? Probably not, but they're going to be a lot better though in 16. So just go ahead and groom, groom Baker, let Tyrod uh, Ty be the bridge, and let's go on from there. Um, I'm curious to see the type of leash with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, considering that they signed RG3 to be the backup <laughs> to uh, Joe Flacco. <laughs> so that, that just goes to show where they're trying to go with their offense. If you have two similar type quarterbacks in the system, you know, they're trying to uh, have some mobility back there and try to generate some additional offense being it from uh, the quarterback's leg. So I'm curious to see if Flacco comes out and is, uh, is kind of bad in the beginning of the season where they bypass uh, RG3 and go directly to Lamar Jackson because being in the Baltimore area, these fans are really clamoring for Jackson, and they're really loving the fact that he's a Baltimore Raven. So, all in all, I think it was a pretty good draft. Uh, teams are reloaded and ready to go, and I'm also curious to see how the Giants and their remade offensive line are going to sit there and kind of keep Eli upright and make it so that Saquon could be that that running back who could possibly get 2,000 yards total uh, from scrimmage, whether it be from uh, running the ball or, you know, catching passes. Well, let me ask you a question on – well, before – I mean, um, let me get back to Baltimore real quick. Let me ask you a question. Since the Baltimore fans are already, are already writing out uh, Flacco, um, let me ask you a question. Do, do you – how many games, in your opinion, will it take before they, if he, if he's not playing or if he's doing subpar work in the quarterback position, how many games do you think it will take before they make a change? In Baltimore? Oh, I, oh, in Baltimore, I would think they have to go at least two and six before they decide. I mean, because if you think about the, the wide receivers that they brought in, uh, they brought in Willie Sneed, they brought in Michael Crabtree, uh, they got John Brown out of Arizona. Um, the running back situation wasn't that bad. And the offensive line wasn't really that bad because they were injured part of, in the majority of the beginning of the season, but they kind of find their way towards the, the end of the season, and that's why Baltimore had a shot to make the playoffs. It's really up to Joe Flacco. Flacco comes out and plays like he has some serious, legit competition behind him in that he knows that his times in Baltimore is pretty much up. If he comes out and plays like the quarterback he was when he won the Super Bowl, then there's nothing to worry about. Baltimore should be a legitimate playoff contender. I don't think they win the AFC. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the AFC Central because you're coming out there with Pittsburgh, but they should be able to uh, to grab a wild card. But if Flacco comes out there just being that Flacco that's like, whatever, I got my $100 million contract that I signed. Everything's guaranteed and my family is good. Then look forward to – you'd be foolish not to, to put RG3 in there just to see what you got. Because if RG3 comes in there and performs like you hope that he performs, then that provides additional draft picks 
in the upcoming season because then you could trade RG3 to some other quarterback needy team that could say, well, I could try to build on the success RG3 had in Baltimore. But if they decide to bypass RG3 and then go strictly to Lamar Jackson, then that seems to me that they're conceding the season next year and really trying to build for the future. Yeah, I to answer your question, I they will have to probably go, be re- really, really bad. But I think it's all going to depend on how Lamar Jackson looks in the OTAs and looks when he gets to training camp. I think right now, I think they drafted Lamar Jackson not with the intention of starting him this year. You still got your, you know, Flacco, and I think he's still he's still a pretty competent quarterback. So I think if you get in a situation where it's really, really bad. And I mean, like, like you say, it's maybe like a two or six or maybe, um, you know, two and eight where they're like literally right out the playoffs. And it's a question of, is he ready to go in? Where do you start RG three? I think they'll probably, they'll probably go with RG three first, but I think they drafted Lamar Jackson, not the intent to start him or have him in this year because you necessarily don't need to have him in there unless he just lights it up in, the, in training camp. So right now, I would be surprised if he hits the field anything outside of preseason, even if the Ravens do bad. Personally, I don't think that Lamar Jackson is going to uh, shine, like I say, Deshaun Watson uh, with Houston. You know, Houston traded up to get Deshaun Watson because they believed that he was that dude. And with the quarterback carousel that Houston had, you know, he came in there and you had a coach and office coordinator believed in Deshaun Watson and curtailed the offense to make him shine. Now, the question will be, you got Marty Mortenwig, an offensive coordinator at Baltimore. Will he sit there and try to curtail the offense so that for whatever reason, if Flacco and RG3 don't make it. Do they try to, you know, make it so that Lamar Jackson has an offense that he's familiar with to try to get his feet wet and try to try to move the offense? So it's all depending on if the, uh, the offense coordinator in the brass over in Baltimore want to believe that they can sit there and control the offense more so in Lamar Jackson's favor. And yet, and, it's, it, and you find that there's very few teams or coordinators that are out there that sit there and try to do that. Because if you think about, it's only been a handful of quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and maybe Colin Kaepernick. We had, you know, coordinators that sit there and say, let's try to work with this man's strengths and try to make him the best quarterback that they can be. And I think that's what we talked about before with the development of Deshaun Watson, because the fact is, is that you have that type of organization and coordination um, where the offense is looking at to benefit the quarterback's strengths and not their weaknesses. And I think that was how quickly Deshaun Watson, for example, took off. So it depends on how invested they are in developing their quarterbacks. And we talked about this some also similar with um, New England and their system, you know, how they develop, you know, their role, their players and their quarterbacks. Um, they do that in their system as well. So if, the Baltimore um, organization does the right thing in strengthening um, their quarterbacks, you know, their strengths and focusing on that. I think it'll help benefit the organization as a whole. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the key moving forward, you know, with a lot of these, you know, QBs, I mean, you know, you, you're picking all these QBs, you know, for potential. So, I mean, I guess the question is who's going to be the, the QB that's going to be starting at the end of the season. My guess is I think I think Baker Mayfield's probably going to be starting by the end of the season. Everybody else, I don't know. Sam Darnold out of, out of um, you know, Sam Darnold and the Jets could be interesting. I mean, you still got Josh McCown. You still got Teddy Bridgewater. So I don't think he's probably going to start, but you never know. It depends on what the fan pressure is. So I think um, – Josh Rosen going to um, Arizona. I think that's very interesting. I think he could he could be a person that could start, not start, but see a lot of playing time this year, maybe start by midseason, depending on how things go in Arizona. So I think he's in a really, really good position right there himself. Uh, 
A little too cocky for my opinion. Um, <laughs> and Baker Mayfield, is it? But, okay, yes. All right. But do you think <laughs> Mayfield is cocky, Rosen is cocky, but do you think Mayfield would have sat there and said, if he went to Arizona versus Rosen went to Cleveland, and Mayfield would say, you know, I think that the, the first nine teams would sit there and, you know, regret the fact that they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, draft me and blah, 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 blah. Now you're opening up a can of worms just because if you don't turn out to be that quarterback that you say you are, you know, you better be that film, right? You better be that dude that's out there all the time and building that report to your wide receivers because if you're anything less than great, you're setting yourself up for failure. Completely agree with that. Um, and we, we we talk about this with, with so many people with making, you know, predictions or saying that, you know, upset the fact that these teams did not select me. It's all part of being, you know, it's all part of being young and not, what's the word I'm looking for? Mature enough to sit, to handle the things the right way. And we'll see how it plays out. You know, so many people may put an X in that count that Sunday for when they play those type of players um, who speak a lot um, to make it their focal point for whatever reason. So um, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to the the pressure of people actually attacking from, you know, you know, taking their words seriously in in general. So we'll see how they play out. We'll see how they if they're going to talk the talk or walk the walk, so to speak. <laughs> Me personally, I didn't have anything with he's he hasn't said anything that probably no other QB that got picked lower in the draft has probably said he just got caught saying it on tape. I'm pretty sure that um Aaron Rodgers was saying the darn same damn thing when he was in the green room and they took him out <laughs> and off the camera um until he got picked late, very late in that first round. I think he was like in the twenty the high twenties when he got picked, so like I said, he's probably said nothing to anybody else that's got, you know, they felt like they got slighted said, but I agree with you, Ace. I mean, play with a chip, use it as fuel for fire. I mean, if you're going to go out there and use that to get you motivated, then so be it. But, like, but I mean, you put it out there for everybody to hear. Let's see what you do. So but my question is, um, and um, I think – um, H, you touched on it with um, Saquon Barkley. Um, what are you guys over and under on Saquon Barkley netting a thousand yards this year? Rushing or passing? Rushing. Actually, you know what? All purpose yardage. He'll easily get a thousand, easily. Because he's coming out of the gate as the, as the starter. The question is, you got a lot of stars, and I st- and I still believe that you guys are going to get Des Bryant. I still believe that, you know, just you trying to get him on the cheap. Oh, you ever heard? You ever heard the, the big rumors? What's that? Your, your squad is looking at him hard. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So the Niners looking at him? Okay, I have not heard that, but until I can see otherwise. I have to believe he's going to the Giants. Um, but, you know, if they prove me wrong, so be it. And I'll be the first to sit there and say, oh, my bad. And welcome to, to Ninerland, and you'll be the number one. <laughs> we love you, and we hope you never leave. But that hasn't happened yet. So, Saquon getting 1,000 yards total all-purpose? Yes, easily. I think it has that by, like, week 10. Um because he's coming out to be the number one running back right out the gate, unless, you know, for whatever reason, he gets hurt in preseason. But you're, the Giants went out, you know, they went out there and got Willie Hernandez in the draft and went ahead and got their tackle in free agency. I don't see the Giants' offensive line being that bad. Um, but I still see the Giants being – pass first to open up the run. And you got, you know, you got Odell Beckham. You got, uh, I forget, your, your boy that kind of comes out the slot from LSU. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, there you go. You know, you still got weapons. 
And as long as you got old, you know, Odell Beckham and you got your know, receiving core, I think it's going to be passed over the run. And then by hoping, you know, using the passed over the run, that's when Colin Barkley is going to go out there and do damage. And then you have to respect the fact that he's coming out of the backfield and catching passes out the backfield as well. So I can honestly see that he easily, easily in bookmark it, May 1st, 2008, at 9.34 p.m., he easily gets 1,500 yards total from scrimmage in his first year with the Giants. Uh, uh, only the only problem I have with that is I don't know about the O-line. And I'm going to be honest with you, if Eli Manning is not the Eli Manning, if he's the same Eli Manning as last season, I just don't see teams at this point worrying about the pass as much as focusing on the run. Um, even if Odell Beckham doing is there, if the O-line doesn't protect Eli, the focus is going to be strictly on defending the run, which I think will halt that 1,500 yards. I, I, I could see him getting more of 1,000, but I don't think he's going to make it over 1,500 all-purpose, um, at least until – at least until, uh, that's, I mean, if if Eli is the Eli from a couple of years ago and he's making long passes, then, and the O-line is doing his thing, then I would I could see that. But until I am certain that the O-line can do, protect Eli and protect, you know, the I mean, and protect, period, um, I, I just don't see it right now. Not to say that it wouldn't be, but I just don't see it right now. Um, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. I hope you're right, Ace. <laughs> uh, I do hope you're right. Um, I'm with Al. I'm a, I, I reserve my judgment because I think the O-line was definitely going to be better than they have been last year um, because you can't go nowhere but up with the, you know, the people you brought in. Um, I think that um, I – I can see him getting uh, maybe a thousand yards because um, Pat Shermer did have a pretty good pass run offense with the with the Vikes, and he was able to put up a lot of you know, a lot of points, and they spread the ball around and the running and the running back there with Case Keenum, you know, you know, as your QB and the receivers, they, they did it pretty well. So um, I'm kind of comfortable with Pat Shermer's offense. I want to see how he's going to translate with Odell and you know Evan Ingram and and Sharp and I me mean, Sterling Shepard and um. I can see a thousand yards all purpose. I don't know if I'm going to see a thousand yards straight rushing, um, but it depends on how that, their offensive line is. And um, I think that they're probably going to focus on stopping Barkley for the first few weeks to see what he does, which I think should open up the passing game a little, a lot more because you'll have a little more one-on-one coverage because you'd be bringing in that, that extra safety down to guard the run. But if Barkley is anything that they say he's going to be, if he has a breakout season, I don't think he's going to have a breakout Ezekiel Elliott season because he doesn't have that line to run behind. But if he has anything close to that, then I think it's going to definitely open up the passing game. And I think that, you know, Odell and Sterling Shepard, Everett Ingham is going to have a, it's going to have a field day because they're going to have one-on-one coverage. But I'm hoping with you, Ace. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's be realistic. You know, they they sat there and drafted Saquon Barkley because they believe they have no run game, and you do have an improved offensive line going out there and grabbing your tackle and free agency. Go ahead and grabbing your guard in the second round, which he was definitely first round talent. And Willie Hernandez out of Utah, and I saw the you know I saw the little uh, clip of him, and he's this wow. He's the mauler. You know, he's going to go out there and get it. So I have reason to believe. And let's think about it. Yep, it's a 16-game season. It's, it's, it's very easy. If Saquon gets 50 to 60 yards rushing over 16 games, he easily surpasses 750 yards. And you can't tell me that over 16 games, if you split him out wide – or if you have him running routes out of the backfield, he can't get 700 yards rushing. 1,500 yards all-purpose, if they don't use him running kicks, returning kicks or punts, it's easy. 
if you have a uh, offensive coordinator who's willing to put him out there. You know, you don't need him to get you. He's not, he doesn't need to be a, th- a three-down back right now because you have other talent coming out of the backfield. But as long as you get him his, tw- his touches, as long as you get him 20, I'll say anywhere between 20 to 23 touches a game, easy, he gets 1,500 yards, easy. Doable. But I'm like, with the Giants, I'm kind of always take a wait-and-see approach, you know. (laughs) I mean, on on paper, our offensive line looks much more well-improved, but I need to see that. (laughs) I need to see them on the field actually block and open up some holes. But I definitely think that, yeah, he can definitely do at minimum all-purpose yardage if he's utilizing the offense properly and they get him in positions where they can maximize his talent. Easily 1,000. 1500 maybe, but we'll see how – we'll see, I have to see how the first couple of weeks goes to see how he's being used. Okay, okay. All right, so I'm going to switch gears here for a second. So um, as, as we know, the second round of the NBA playoffs has started. Um, so, of course, um, things look like they're going a little bit as predicted for the moment. Um, Golden State won their first game against New Orleans, actually blew them out with no Steph Curry even though Clay Thompson made a statement that they were more tired in game one than they were tired in any of the games against San Antonio. So that's definitely going to be a much more up-tempo series there. Um, Houston beat Utah, which I figured they would. Um, But the darlings of the the playoffs right now, the Sixers went cold behind the three-point arc and took that L with Boston. So, um, and right now I think Toronto is um, is leading Cleveland, but I have – and they can prove me wrong, zero faith in Toronto right now. So if they can win game one, doesn't matter. Because um, I don't think – I think Cleveland has the number at the end of the day. Cleveland, in my opinion, had no business winning that that friggin' first round. If the Pacers had a little bit more experience and better coaching, they should have lost in six, not seven. But they're – you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. You know, when you come for the king, you can't miss. You gotta take the headshot. If you don't, he's gonna, he's gonna get out. But um, so what do you guys think of this um second round? Who's um, what is your predictions for who will make it out into the um, East and West Conference Finals? I, I think I'm a default to uh, Mr. Quarles just because I, you know, he is a he's a basketball guru, and I am interested in hearing uh his thoughts on these uh, upcoming series as he sits there and collects his thoughts. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> Western Conference is almost as like, this is just a bound that happened um, between Golden State and Houston. I think that's going to be, to be honest, the Western Conference finals um, that should happen. Um, I do see Utah, and I also see New Orleans winning at least a game or two at the most. Um, by the end of the day, I think the showdown is going to be between um, Golden State and Houston right now. Um, the Eastern Conference is a lot more interesting. Uh, I know you guys already have your, you know, I agree with you about this, Earl, that the Pacers could have won that series no matter what. Um Pacers could have won that series. I really think that, in uh, honestly, they really escaped by the skin of their teeth, no matter what everybody says. Um, but I, I said this before. Um, Toronto and Cleveland, Toronto, your time is now. It's, it's not – and let's just, just, just cut straight to the chase. Your time is now. You've lost to Cleveland, I think, now three straight playoff appearances. You have everything, and I mean everything, to you have what it takes now to beat Cleveland. You have everything and what it takes now to beat LeBron James. I'm going to say this right now because we talked about, I said this, matter of fact, about a month ago. You have the one of the best benches in the NBA right now. So, if you don't get this taken care of, 
and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And if LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, with this team that he has constructed right now, if they beat you in the semifinals of this series, I don't want to hear nothing about Toronto. I don't want to hear nothing from the Toronto fans. I don't want to hear anything about We the North. I don't want to hear none of that because you have the – you have the, the, the talent, you have the bench, you have everything. Cleveland has LeBron James. They don't have, he don't have the same cast that he has that was sweeping you time and time again. You have the advantage, in my opinion. No matter what anybody else says, you have what it takes. So you better make the most of this situation. I understand that this is game one. You even have the home advantage in this series. So in a nutshell, I don't want to hear anything if you do lose this series. I still have you. I, me personally, I think you have what it takes, and I still think that you may, you're going to beat you're going to beat Cleveland in about six or seven games tops. But you have what it takes. If you don't, I don't want to hear nothing about Toronto Raptors ever again, or at least with this cast that you have. Now, what about, what about Drake with the Toronto Raptors? <laughs> what about Drake? Put the Toronto Raptors. I don't even want to hear Drake's songs at this point. I don't even want to hear Drake's album at this point. I think that anything Toronto has to say right now is just water under the bridge. Like, it's just complete. I don't want to hear none of that. I don't want to hear you saying we got the best this, this, and this. We can make it to the – I don't even want to hear you in a regular season at this point. Because at the end of the day, your regular season is just the same no matter what. Is how you perform in the playoffs. And if you don't perform like you're supposed to do, and if you fall off like you did these past three seasons against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers with this group that he has, I don't want to hear nothing. Like, literally. I don't want to hear nothing about regular season. I don't want to hear nothing. Because the advantage is yours. It's yours for the taking. Um, real quick, though, the Boston and Philadelphia series, that is going to be very good. Because I, when I picked Philly to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, I did it thinking that they would cool off from their series with Milwaukee. But I'm going to have to be honest with you. And we talked about this before, about who won the pick between that, no, the trade between Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas. And we talked about it, like, as far as the Boston stuff. Boston Celtics won this trade hands down because not only did they get Kyrie Irving and gave up Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie is now rubbing off a Terry Rozier. Like, Terry Rozier right now is playing like he's Kyrie Irving. Like, that's really – that's key because he is starting to play like a superstar. And I think whatever Kyrie has been telling him, it is now rubbing off, and he is showcasing that. And I would be very scary if he continues the success that he has now going forward. I would be very scared of Boston because he is now having that moxie. And Jason Tatum's doing Jason Tatum. Al Horford is being Al Horford. But Terry Rozier is really playing the best basketball um, in, in this playoffs right now. Now, now, hold on. Now, let me piggyback off of that. Let's say Terry Rozier goes out and plays his best basketball. And then Kyrie comes back. And, you know, Kyrie has, you know, he's coming back from his knee injury, blah, 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 whatever. But Terry Rozier is balling. What is the chances that Kyrie is still a Celtic after next season? If Terry Rozier is really balling like that. He is because the sample size on Kyrie Irving is much greater than Terry Rozier. Okay, understood. But let's just say Kyrie comes back and they're splitting time with him, you know, trying to get Kyrie back into Kyrie shape coming into next year because, you know, he's coming off the big knee injury, you know, however. But this isn't like his first knee injury. This is like him. I think this is the second the second time he's been out with this knee. 
you know, and now you're talking about this is this is chronic because this is the same knee, a different injury, but it's the same knee. So what are the chances that if Kyrie is, and Terry, I'm sorry, Rozier, is really balling, that Boston sits there and says, well, you know what? I'm going to take my chances with Terry Rozier because he's still healthy. He hasn't had any injuries, you know, any knee injuries. And Kyrie still has some trade value. Do you think Boston is willing to trade Kyrie in hopes that Terry Rozier is going to be that player that he's deserving in this playoffs carrying over into next season? No need to. No need to at this point. And that's a and we've seen people have great playoff runs and ball out in the playoffs only to come back the next season and they kind of come back down to earth. So at this particular point, I mean you got Kyrie, you traded for Kyrie Irving for a particular reason and up until the point that Kyrie got hurt, he was he was balling. So to me, Terry Rogier is playing good right now. But it's to me, if I'm the Boston's, it's not enough for me to want to go in the next season and even remotely consider pulling the trigger on Kyrie. Because you're here's here's the worst thing: Kyrie comes back, he's not good, or he plays worse, that knee is not good. You're not going to have any trade value for him because most teams are going to be like, well, if you don't want him with a bad knee, why do I want him with a bad knee? So you're so to me, I think. No, I think that right now it's still – it's a knee-jerk reaction to the playoff run that um, Rozier is having. Terry Rozier is still on the contract. Kyrie Irving, you got him. He was supposed to be the face. I think he still will be the face moving forward. But I love Danny Ainge. I don't think Danny Ainge not considering that, you know, just yet. Okay. Um, all right. So just to pick it back off of Al, um, Boston is playing lights out. I still think Philly will win in six um, just because I have big faith that Philly's going to win in six. I think Cleveland is going to win in seven. Um, Toronto isn't going to get over the hump, unfortunately, not this season. I think next season Toronto will get over the hump as long as they keep their core in place. And then, lo and behold, I'll sit there and kind of concede – that Philly, just with the youth and, the, you know, the enthusiasm and everything else that's going on with them, I have to agree with Al, and Philly will come out of the East as the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to agree with Al. T- <laughs> Earl's face is priceless right now. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't have any faith in Toronto, you know, I hope Toronto proves me wrong. <laughs> um, if LeBron really wants to be the icon and who he says he wants to be, he's going to finish his career in Cleveland, and he's going to try to do his best to get Kawhi or another big star to come down to, uh, to Cleveland and help him get back and take his throne back from whoever dethrones him, whether it be uh, Toronto or Philly. Um, I don't see Boston beating Philly just because Philly just has a lot of you. I think that they're riding off their high off of the 20 games that they won in towards the regular season and kind of demolishing Miami with an older Dwayne Wade. And now they're kind of playing with a, playing against a team that has similar youth like they do and kind of took them for granted, you know. They're kind of smelling themselves a little bit. But I think Philly's going to calm down, take care of business in six. Cleveland's going to take care of the business of seven just because and LeBron is just going to print completely just break down in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Philly is going to go ahead and take care of them probably in five, maybe in six. I don't see – I just can't see Cleveland coming out of the East unless Kevin Love, unless Tristan Thompson, unless J.R. Smith, unless uh, – Specialist uh, Kyle Corver. Kyle Corver. Kyle Corver comes out there and just balls out in the finals. I don't see Cleveland coming out of the East just because LeBron is just it's just one person can't sit there and take that much pressure and take that much time and that much energy and think that he can do that for seven, fourteen, twenty-eight, thirty-five games 
and a condensed one month season. Just ain't happening. So um I'm agreeing with Al. This first time I can sit there and say that I'm agreeing with Al with Philly coming out of the East, but I see it. And and Philly is here to stay. Philly's young. The biggest question will be when Embiid well he signed his big contract. You uh Simmons will probably be the next big contract. But they're gonna have to try to keep their core in place and if that's going to be the biggest challenge. If they can keep that core in place, then I don't see Philly going anywhere but being the top two and top three in the next five, six years easy. Mm. Wow. Yeah, both pick um, Philly out the, out the east. Whew. Okay. Come on over wow. to the dark side. <laughs> I, I Well, I, I think with the West, I think it's, it's a no-brainer. I think um, – I think New Orleans is probably going to give Golden State a probably a tougher run than they really want. Um, and I think it's probably going to end up being a little more tougher series than they would like it to be. I think Steph Curry comes back this series. Um, but I think he's probably going to take them some games before he really gets himself into shape. Um, I think Houston, unless they completely... Wait, wait, wait. Steph Curry is back. He's playing his game? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 100% completely ready to go. Okay. I, I still think it's probably gonna take him this series to get his legs underneath him and get, you know, and get himself, you know, really in shape. So I think Hold on. Running. Hold on. Not to cut you off. Curry don't make it out of this season uh, out of this series healthy. Go ahead. You say it doesn't make out this series healthy? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's possible. Because it's, it's just the way everything is unfolding, it kind of it kind of seems to me that it's going to be a a Houston Philly type of finals. But go ahead. No, well, uh, well, I still think Houston and Golden State gets there. I think I it's I think it's a coin toss between Golden State and Houston at this particular point, and it really is going to depend on how how prepared if Golden State wins, Steph Curry looks and is ready to go against Houston. If it is, that's a six-game series all the way. What just basically what team can outscore the other team, you know, the best. Um, Cleveland, I'm hoping Toronto proves me wrong. <laughs> I agree with everything you said, Al, oh, they got the better squad, they got the better bench, they just don't have the better player, with, you know, um, with James. But if he beats you with a one-man show – and they have nothing to say. And as of right now, they've been getting beaten by this one-man show all season long. So I haven't seen anything this season to prove to, prove to me otherwise that they have what it takes to beat them. In a one-game, yeah. But in a seven-game series, I'm not sold. So I still think Cleveland comes out out of seven. Um, I think – I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with Boston winning this series. I think Philly is there. It's coming, but I think they still got another year to go. I think they still need another veteran player and probably another rim protected big guy down there to take a little bit of pressure off MB having to, you know, play the block all, all the games because he likes to be out, you know, shooting threes, which I think he needs to come in a little bit more, but. I think I'm going to take Boston in seven. Then I'm guessing Boston comes out of the East. No, I'm thinking Cleveland still comes out of the East. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I think think by the time he gets to the finals, he's probably going to be so tired and burnt that he's not going to beat whether you put him against Houston. He's definitely not beating Houston because they're going to run him up and down and they're going to shoot them out the building. They can't go shot for shot with Houston. They can't go shot for shot with Golden State. <laughs> they can probably muster, but they can't go shot for shot for Houston. James Harden is going to step back and just and, and um, jam up the entire game, even if they try to put um, LeBron James on him. And LeBron James is not going to take him because he'll get, you know, I think he's going to be burnt by the time he gets to the finals. So, wait, let me see if I got this straight. You trust Houston's offense over Cleveland more than you trust Golden State's offense over Cleveland? 
At this moment, I'm trusting Houston's offense over Golden State's offense over Cleveland a little bit more right now. Ah, that's now that's an interesting theory. That's an interesting theory. But um, yeah, I I I still think Cleveland makes it out. But I think that if he does, I think this is if he comes back to Cleveland, which I think he is, he can't come back to to the team that is constructed today. There's going to have to be some people going in movement because. If you look at the East, I mean, you got Boston that's going to be up on the rise. Kyrie's going to come back. You know, you got Jalen Brown. Philly's going to have another year under their belt, more season. Toronto's going to still be there. Indiana Pacers, you know, Milwaukee Bucks. That Eastern Conference is not as weak as it has been in the past couple of years, even though our friend Joel likes to believe that the East now and the East back then is just as bad. I don't know what is he smoking, but that's neither here nor there. But um, the East has improved over the last couple of years. And if I'm LeBron James, I'm looking at the East, and it's like, if he doesn't do it this year, he might not do it again after this year. But he, unless he joins a mega squad on the West, I don't think he, you know, I, I don't see, unless he joins Golden State, I don't see him go, uh, joining the Lakers and trying to come out the West either. So he can sit around. He I could. Come on now. <laughs> I don't think he is. I think he's staying in Cleveland, my, my personal opinion. But you thought if he joined the, the Lakers that he could come out of the West with the Lakers? Not by himself, no. Not with that squad. It's going to, they have the opportunity. Well, this is probably another conversation, but the Lakers have enough to sign two max players. It could be him, and it could be Kawhi Leonard. I don't. I don't understand why people think that Kawhi Leonard is going to go to the Lakers. I, I'm. I'm. Very, I, I think Kawhi will probably like to go to Cleveland because it's a small market. I. I don't even see him even. I don't even see him remotely interested in those those type of teams. Like I. 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 I don't understand. I think this is more of the media trying to get them to a big market team. This is what media does like they bring in like their own choices of teams that they think that Kawhi Leonard may want to play but they don't know who what Kawhi Leonard or where Kawhi Leonard may want to go outside of San Antonio I think personally just because of who Kawhi Leonard is I, I think he he prefers to be in a secondary market team I don't think he wants to be in this in the limelight LA and New York Houston or or Chicago, or any of those type of teams, and that may be good. But so then, why Cleveland? Like, because Cleveland is no different than San Antonio. No, but my, point, but, but my point is, is that why does it have to be Cleveland? It could be Milwaukee. It could be um, some of the other teams. It could be Indiana. It could be like you said. It could be a, a small market team. It doesn't always have to be like the teams that are in the postseason or in the finals or a big market team all the time. It could be a small team. Like, it could be Orlando. It could be one of those teams, Atlanta. Like, it could be one of those teams where it could be any team at this point because any team is going to do whatever it takes to make the best pitch to San Antonio. Uh, personally, um, I don't think Kawhi is trying to be the dude. I understand that he is the dude in – San Antonio, but he has uh, he has uh, what's the the power forward? Um, Aldridge. Aldridge. He has Aldridge. He has a, a supporting cast where he, he may be number one, but he's probably one A versus one B, considering who who understand me now. Hear me. Who you know might be coming out and scoring whatever whatever. I think he wants that type of thing. I personally, I don't think. He wants to be that primary guy because if he's that primary guy, then all the focus is on him, and then he may not perform where he thinks that he could perform. Whereas if he has a complimentary dude or maybe somebody that's just a smidge better offensively, he can play the way he was playing in San Antonio prior to him doing whatever he was doing. No, I agree with that, but the point I'm making is, is that there is – how can I put this? There is no different from Portland. Let's say, for example, because there was talks on um, in the radio today that um, Portland may make the take the opportunity to, to look at 
exploring trades for like CJ McCullough. Um, so let's say, for example, if they were to make that type of trade and bring in Kawhi Leonard, you know, he still would have Dame Leonard to be that alpha person, but he could also be that complimentary piece. But how much is Portland going to have to give up? Portland would have to give up. Uh, for they, I can see them easily giving up like a CJ McCollum, one of their bigs, and a pick for Kawhi Leonard. Well, but Cleveland had to give up if they wanted Kawhi. Kevin Love and who else? Kevin Love <laughs> in the Brooklyn. But, Kevin Love and well, yeah, and the Brooklyn pick and maybe another player. But why I always have to be Cleveland? I'm just saying, if if I think LeBron. We'll probably have his say. Again, again, and this is my point. My mm-hmm. point is is that it doesn't always have to be like those top-tier teams. My point is is that it, it any team at this particular point is going to offer something for Kawhi Leonard. San Antonio is going to look at it as what is the best package no matter what team is out there. He is not gonna, they're not going to say we're going to automatically ship them to these particular teams. Some Los Los Angeles, Cleveland, Portland. We're not going to do that. They're going to say, as I'm going to look at Atlanta, where they may offer me like John Collins and two other players with first round draft picks for Kawhi Leonard. You know what I'm saying? And they may look at that as saying we're getting the best bang for our buck to with Atlanta. Then we're getting Kevin Love, age Kevin Love, another player, and a pick that may not be even in the first round for a quiet limit. That's what I'm saying. Like, why, I mean, and this is what gets me with the media because that's all it looks like they're looking at. Like, the Lakers, the, you know, the big market teams, Boston, you know, they're talking about quiet going to Lakers, Boston, Cleveland, you know, Philadelphia. Like, why does it always have to be those particular big markets that are teams that are on the cusp of making the playoffs or a big city market team? When San Antonio could look at any team and say, whatever team that gives me the best value, that's where we're going to trade Kawhi Leonard to. Because Kawhi Leonard ultimately wants to win. Doesn't Grant, matter what Kawhi Leonard wants. He may not control his destiny, but... You know. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't control his destiny. Um, if he was a restricted free agent or a free agent, that's one thing. But San Antonio can literally trade him to any team that they want and get the best bang for their buck or get any players that they want. You see how poor George went to OKC um, when they knew they could get Victor Oladipo and whoever the case may be. These teams, these, mark, these teams are looking at from a big picture. Like, what can I get in return that is valuable to this particular player? And at the end of the day, he might not go anywhere. He, they might be able to work it all out, and he stays in, in – um... San Antonio, which I wouldn't rule that one out either. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, that, that could be another conversation, you know, for our next topic, but I think we can all agree that <laughs> that relationship right now is definitely strained. And um, what I'm hearing, there's not one, but several players that may not want to back even if he's ready to go based on everything that went down you know, over the last couple of weeks and this, you know, the back and forth and whether he's available to play or not. So I think that rubs some players the wrong way. So I think he might have a little bit of, you know, makeup with that one. But like I said, we can definitely <laughs> table that for another week. But um, right now it's about our time, fellas. So um, right now, I think, what is the score with Toronto and um, Cleveland? I think they're still winning. 91 to 96 with 653 left in the fourth quarter. Hmm. Okay. Wait, Toronto's still leading? Yep. Yeah, they better get this win because if they don't get this win, then it's definitely going to – I may have to change my pick on this series. <laughs> <laughs> All jokes aside, they've been winning this game, this first game from the jump. They're going to keep it because if they don't keep the lead, it's going to make me think twice about this whole Toronto. It's going to start making me think about that whole thing I was talking about about Toronto. Well, we shall see. So, um, as always, fellas, let me know where they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter at uh, AdrianCat1963. That's A-D-R-I-A-N. It's a Nancy C-A-T-1963 on Twitter. 
And of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Again, Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. And shout out to Eddie Johnson. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, the Graham Snapchat at J E Ross, the number seven. Um, so, fellas, as always, good talking, nice, good session, and we shall see you next week. Eddie Johnson, I see you, baby. Next time, don't be ripping on me like that, man. <laughs> I say keep ripping. I say keep ripping. Man. <laughs> Makes for interesting conversation. <laughs>